the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. This is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for. Today, Pastor Sean continues the series called The Contrarian Guide to Real Life with a focus today on leadership. He has four key questions a servant leader must address. If you have a Bible nearby, Hebrews chapter 13 and 1 Peter 5 are a couple of places to put markers. And also put a bookmarker on your web browser at reallife.org. That's where you'll find the complete podcast of this series and easy to follow notes, all free for the taking. Again, that's at reallife.org. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. This is Real Life Radio. Now, four questions I think a servant leader, a contrarian leader has to address. Okay, four questions. First one, number one, why am I leading? It's a very important question. Why am I leading? The contrarian leader understands that the hardest part, the hardest person to lead in this room, the hardest person for me to lead is me, right? And don't look at me like that. You guys are going, yeah, Sean, you are hard to lead. We've been trying for years and it's just not going well. No, you're missing the point. For you, the hardest person for you to lead is you. And the hardest person for me to lead is me. And if we will get a handle on self-leadership, a whole lot of things get a lot easier. And this idea of answering the question, why is it that I'm leading, goes to the very core of one of the biggest problems in leadership, and it's this issue of motive. What's my motive for leading? And there are all kinds of leaders who are leading for the wrong reason. Unhealthy leadership usually comes right down to this. A person... Leading for the wrong reasons, unhealthy reasons. Meeting personal needs through my leadership. Someone needs to be noticed. Maybe they felt they were disregarded. They didn't get enough attention. They didn't get enough affirmation. I need to be noticed. It's a self-image issue. And so I will climb the top of the ladder and I will be the leader and then they will notice me. That's a surefire formula for unhealthy leadership. Maybe I have control issues. I don't like being out of control. I have control issues and I want to, I want to get control. And so I'll become the leader and hence homeowners associations run amok, you know. <laughs> Several of you homeownership. <laughs> Several of you are homeowner association presidents and like, ah, I have the power now. <laughs> control issues. We don't like being out of control. We want to be able to control our destiny and figure if I'm the leader, then I have control and I won't be out of control. It's an unhealthy motive for leadership. How about just a refusal to submit to authority? You don't tell me. I do what I want. I do whatever I want. You don't tell me. I don't obey nobody. Really. And there's this, just this thing of, you know, I don't want to be under any authority, so I'll go and do my own thing. Very unhealthy. Because all good leadership, not only is it in authority, it's under authority. That's an important principle. If you're leading because you don't want anyone telling you what to do, you have a problem. And you will carry out unhealthy 
leadership. How about leading to use people to get what I want? I have an objective I want to realize. I need people. This is the kind of driven leader that burns people up, man. They go through people. Get another one. Get another one because I use people to get what I want. My goal, my ambition, my money, my dream, my objective, whatever it is. I'm just going to fill the pipeline with people because I've got a goal and it's more important than anything else. Clearly, a formula for unhealthy leadership. No. A call to lead is a call to serve. We looked at, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at, at Matthew's account. This is from Mark. He wrote about the time when John and James came to Jesus and asked to be seated at the right hand and the left hand of Jesus. Remember their mom came too? And then verse 41 of Mark 10, when the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And then we see Jesus calls them together. He's going to give them a little seminar on leadership. He says, you know, those who regard or are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles, they lord it over them. Their high officials exercise the authority over them. Uh, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man, even Jesus, God incarnate, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Leading for the purpose of serving. Really big idea. Leading for the purpose of serving. This idea of servant leadership, I'm, I'm afraid, has been a little bit messed up. Um, some people think being a servant leader means doing what everybody else wants. That's not a servant leader. A servant leader is someone who leads for the purpose of serving. A lot of pastors in the past have gotten caught with this. I helped coach and worked with a pastor a little bit who had this issue. And, I mean, he had this small little church. He was a great guy. And he thought to be a servant leader, he would go and be available at the church office. And anytime someone had a need, and he'd help building the deck in the back of the house. He was there. Uh, one of the older ladies in the congregation needed a light bulb change. He would go. And all this stuff. And, and his very small group of people absolutely loved him. No wonder. I had him do a few things for me before we talked about this issue and fixed it. You know, I, well, you had to, you know, that's not true. Some of you are thinking, it was Willie. No, it was not. It was not. You ruined him. No, but I, I, I had to sit this brother down and, and I had to say, you know, um, number one, you got a church full of people who need to be serving one another just like you're serving. One, while you're out running around doing all this what are they have an opportunity to do and how are they able to work in the body and meet the needs and, and, and number two and i think even most important while you're out doing that who's doing the essential leadership responsibilities that only you can do while you're doing things that lots of different people could and should be doing who's doing the few things that only you can do and because of the obvious unhealth in his organization weren't getting done and it was kind of like a, a light bulb moment of having to say, wow. Listen to the, what the disciples said about this. This, is, this statement, in light of the conventional, some of the conventional sentiment about servant leadership, it seems almost shocking. In Acts chapter 6, we read this, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, Christians, number of Christians being part of the church was growing, the Grecian Jews, there were Hellenistic, Greek-speaking Jews, and there were Hebrew-speaking Jews. The Greek-speaking Jews, the Grecian Jews, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. They would take care of the poor, the needy, the widows, through distribution of food and just caring for. And some of these Greek-speaking poor were being overlooked, and they were kind of marginalized. And so they went to the apostles. 
and they kind of brought it up and they, they said something about it. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and they said, listen to this, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. God, what, you too good, leader? You too good to put a towel over your arm and serve? They want to say, brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And you're like, typical preacher, don't want to get his hands dirty. Yeah, I knew it. That's everything I ever, every prejudice I ever had. When they said prayer and the ministry of the word, they're talking about following the Lord. They're talking about leadership and listening to God's direction and determining the direction where this would go. The essential job of leaders. And they were very plain and very clear. Hey, let's appoint some godly leaders to take care of that very valid responsibility. But we must not stop being the leaders that God called us to be. And understand, what we're talking about is leading for the purpose of serving. That's servant leadership. Lead for the purpose of serving rather than getting what I want or meeting my needs. Why am I leading? Another simple reason to lead is because you're called and gifted to. Uh, Romans 12, verse 6 to 8, talks about spiritual gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Serving, let him serve. Teaching, let him teach. Encouraging, encourage. Contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. It is a spiritual gift. And it's one to be taken seriously. So the question, why am I leading? If I'm a parent, why am I leading? Parents, you ever corrected your kid and then had to stop and realize, you know, what I'm saying is more about how I'm appearing in front of people than what's actually going on in my child's life. Why am I leading? Why am I at work? Why am I leading? Why am I exercising my authority in this way? At school, wherever it is that you find yourself leading, here at church, in small group, why am I leading? Important question, because the call to lead is the call to serve. Second question, contrarian leaders have to ask, where are we going? Really important question. Where are we going? Your followers, if you're not asking this question, rest assured, your followers are. Okay, where is it that we're going? We call this vision. Really important piece of leadership information here. Important tool in the leader's tool belt. Vision. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Happy is he who keeps the law. King James says that where there is no vision, the people perish. See, here's the reality. You're helping people to see what they can't see, so they'll go where they haven't yet gone. The very nature of leadership is we're moving somewhere. We're, that's what it means. Leading what? Leading where? We're going somewhere. And, and please understand this. This is the hard part about leadership, okay? This is where leadership gets tough. Because you're going somewhere where people sometimes don't want to go, or they'd already be there, don't, need, they, don't know they need to go, or they'd already be there. If they were already there, they wouldn't need you, leader. And so this is a really important understanding. And your best tool to help people understand this is vision. Paint a picture for them. Help them to see why. Staying here is unacceptable and going there is God's direction. Going there is the right thing. Do this with your children. I hope with your kids you are painting a picture of what life can be. 
if they will live out godly principles, if they'll surrender their life to God, if they'll walk in the way that you're training and teaching them, paint a picture, use it with vision. Don't spend all your life just saying, don't, 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 because it doesn't work that well. Yeah, there are some things that we should say, don't, but here's why. And paint the picture. Parents, if you're afraid of the question why, employer, if you're afraid of the question why, pastor, if you're afraid of the question why, you should be out of leadership. Why is one of the most important questions, and vision is the answer to the why question. Do not be afraid of the why question. Yes, with my kids, sometimes it's like, okay, go obey, and then I will tell you why. I want you to do that, you know? Ryan, no, go take the garbage out first, and then come back and I'll tell you why. Okay, now he's back. Did you take the garbage out? Yeah. Did you like it? No. That's why. Because otherwise I'd have to do it. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, kind of. I mean, I've, with Ryan, I've done that, but that's not my serious why. <laughs> Do you like? No. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, please. Kids, Pastor Sean is kidding. Children, Pastor Sean is teasing. <laughs> but you have to be willing to answer the why question. It's so important. And vision is a way to do that. Don't just because I told you so, it's not going to cut it. Willie and I, early in our ministry together, spoke at an alternative center, uh, alternative school from the Harlandale School District. So it was a kind of rough district anyway, and these are the kids who couldn't, they were thrown out of, most of them behavior problems, out of the Harlandale High School and sent to this alternative school. And we were asked to come in and talk to them about sexual purity. Sweet. (laughs) Of course we will. And as I was preparing my part, I think I threw Willie out to the wolves, you know, and then I back clean up, you know. (laughs) But... uh, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, Lord, what do I say to these kids? And I felt the Lord really nudge me, paint a picture for them. Don't sit and tell them what they shouldn't do. Paint a picture of what? Sexual purity and then healthy married life and then kids and grandkids and a home. Paint that picture for them. And so I did. I described it. You know, paint, describe meeting someone you really care about, you love. They're not perfect, but you're not perfect, but you love each other, you're committed, you have kids. They're not perfect kids, but they're good kids, and they love you, and you love them. And your house isn't the biggest in the neighborhood. You don't have the newest stuff, but, you, but you're, you're filled with, it's a home filled with joy and love. And you don't have everything, but you got enough. And I just painted a picture. I took detail. A place where one day your kids want to bring their, their kids to, and you can enjoy your grandkids, your family. And I just asked them, how many of you want that? And every kid in the room raised their hand. Well, here's how. It was the easiest conversation I ever had when you start with vision. Now, I got a vision lesson. There was one kid in there. He's a gang leader who was in, in the alternative center there. Oldest guy there, he said, and he challenged me. He really challenged me hard. He said, I, he said, I may not live to be 20 years old. That's a dream to me. I got to get what I can get now. And man, I, I affirmed him because I appreciated him saying those things to me because it was like, I realize the biggest problem here is not, you know, methods and education. It's vision. He can't even envision the life that I'm talking about because his vision is all this. And it was a really valid point in conversation. But there's power in vision. Don't miss it. That answers the question, where are we going? You're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church. And if you'd like to follow River City... You can do that with Twitter and Facebook. The links are at reallife.org. And when you're there, you'll also notice the calendar. 
All the great groups that meet every week, plus plenty of chances to do something good, places to serve, like the homeless ministry and Bible studies and family activities. Again, that's at reallife.org. And, of course, Pastor Sean's always in the middle of another great series like this one. Here's Pastor Sean on Real Life Radio. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church. I want to invite you to our current series of messages called Downgraded, Embracing Financial Reality. Our nation recently went through a financial downgrade that has shocked our markets as well as a whole lot of people. Financial problems aren't just a government thing. They impact individuals and families as well. We're going to address the things that got us here as well as some great biblical wisdom that will get us out. River City is a church for real life, and this topic is as real life as it gets. Don't miss this series of messages called Downgraded, Embracing Financial Reality. River City is located one half mile inside of 1604 on Redland Road and Jones Maltzberger. Sunday service times are 8, 9.30, 11.15, and of course our 111 coffee house service. At 11.15, we even have translation headsets for our Spanish-speaking friends. River City is a multi-site church and also has campuses in New Braunfels and Northwest San Antonio. Go to reallife.org for more information, and we'll see you on the road to real life. Welcome back, and we return to Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church, and this is Real Life Radio. Third question, how do we get there? 1 Timothy 3, 1-7. Paul is writing to a young pastor, teaching him about setting up leaders and establishing a leadership structure. And in that, he says, here's a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, an elder, he desires a noble task. Now, the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled. Listen to what's being said here. Respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone doesn't know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Great point. He must not be a recent convert, nor, or he might become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he'll not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Paul alludes to four really, really important tools in the tool belt on, okay, how do we get where we're going? There's the vision. How do we get there? Four things real quickly. I want you to write them down. Uh, four ways to exercise leadership in a healthy way. One is education. Paul says you need to have teachers who can teach. Leaders need to be able to teach. They need to teach the way. You can't just say, okay, let's go, or you guys go there, and let me know how it goes. But you have to give skills, teach, educate, train. Second, example. Education is number one. Example is number two. And notice how much of Paul's conversation is about the character of these leaders. Very little about the competency. More is about the character. Your example will either be your greatest asset in your leadership or your greatest hindrance. Simple fact. It does not cut it to say, do as I say, not as I do. It never works. They will always do as you do. Always. And they will blow off what you say. Yeah, as long as they're little and you're bigger or you have money, you have control, whatever, whatever, fine, you can force compliance, but they are going to grow up and they are going to go do their own thing. And if you are saying to them routinely, yeah, well, well, I want you to to do this. Of course, I do this over here, but you do this. Your leadership is going to be absolutely ineffective. And they're going to get a first front row seat to hypocrisy. Paul says these leaders must lead by example. And, And man, so much. Your example makes them want what you've got, whether that be at work 
being an example of a good employee, of an effective salesman, of an effective account representative, contractor, whatever it is you do at home, at school, your leadership, your example is critical. That's why Paul focused so much on character. Empowerment. Paul is basically telling Timothy, you can't do it on your own. Empower other leaders. You have to give it away. Really, you, have, it, you teach them, you show them by your example, and now you actually let them do it. You have to give leadership away. Very important principle. Sometimes we spend all our teaching and showing, and, but we don't want to let go because, well, if I give them, then what will I do? I'll just shrivel up and die. No, it's amazing. Leaders who give leadership away always find something to do because, man, there's more and more people, more and more growth, more and more stuff that happens. And that's business, that's home, that's wherever it is. And the last one, number four, encouragement. See, Paul is encouraging Timothy, and throughout his book, he encourages him. And let me just say to you, real simple principle. If you will be an encourager, um, people will follow you wherever you lead. They really will because they're hungry and thirsty. So many people have never had an authority figure, a leader, who will encourage them. Speak the good that you see in them, the potential, the gifts that God has given. Speak that to them. Catch them doing things right and let them know. Thank them, affirm them. Encouragement is powerful. Seriously, folks, because there's lots of people who've heard nothing but the negative. And when you start being a voice for the positive and encouragement, you'd be amazed at the power. And you'd be amazed at how those people will follow your leadership because you have seen in them what the voice of God has been saying and they didn't even dare hope was true or real. Be an encourager. Very powerful. So education, example, empowerment, encouragement. That's how. The call to lead is the call to serve. And the last question, I'll close with this. Really important question. You can't skip past this. Who am I following? Who am I following? Because the fact is, again, another thing your followers want to know. Are you just making this up as you're going along? Or do you have something internal that gives you the right to lead? Who are you following? Great passage in Joshua chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. It says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up, saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. This is the eve before they're going to go and take Jericho, this huge, impregnable city. Okay? Joshua went up to him and he asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he said, but as commander of the Lord of hosts, I've now come. Uh, and what's great is the, the New American Standard and the King James, James says, are you, Joshua asks, are you for us or for our enemies? No. I love that. The Lord's just like, nope. But I come as commander of the armies of the Lord. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does the Lord have for a servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua knew who he was following. And by the way, with the instructions this commander was about to give him, you're going to go take this city by walking around once a day for six days, and then you're going to walk around and blow a trumpet. Seriously? Fine, you can be the commander of that one. Yeah, all you, God, all you. But God had a miracle that he was wanting to work. Had a miracle in mind. See, even in a secular setting, this is why people really focus on mission statements and value statements and things, because they want to know what's the inner stuff that's driving you? What's your mission? And we understand in a Christian context what's most important is that it's not just what are you following, but who are you following? Because every good leader is under authority as well as in authority. And Joshua says it real plainly at the end of his ministry. Joshua 24, 14 and 15. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. 
Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites, and the land you're now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to follow? Real question in your leadership. Who are you following? You following some leadership guru that you listen to their CDs on the way to work? You following the world system? Following some other leader? Or are you following the God who created you, loves you, knows you, and has an amazing plan for you to change the world? The Apostle Paul wrote, said, very simply, follow me as I follow Christ. Pretty simple formula, but a great leadership axiom. And I promise you, if you follow him, he will help you become the kind of leader that people will gladly follow. And so I just want to say this morning, trust him as your leader. If you haven't given your heart to Jesus, you can do so today. You simply ask him to forgive your sins. Invite him to come into your life as the Lord and leader of your life. He forgives the sins of the past. That's great. That is beautiful. I don't have to walk around with guilt. I don't have to walk around with condemnation. But, quite frankly, even more beautiful, he comes into our lives and leads us into a different kind of future. Trust him as your leader today. Don't let another day go where you're just kind of winging it. Follow the leader. He'll lead and he'll guide you. And one of the things I think he'll do is he'll cause you to see the people around you as a stewardship responsibility from the Lord. He'll see as you see the people who you lead at work, or school, or home, wherever it is, and you'll look at it differently. It'll be relational and you'll understand the power of good leadership. The call to lead is the call to serve. You've been listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church. As next week on this station, Pastor Sean will start to wrap up this series on the Contrarian's Guide to Real Life with a message on the Contrarian Gospel. But you're more than welcome to visit River City Community Church, located at the corner of Jones Maltzberger and Redland Road, about a half mile inside Loop 1604 on the north side of San Antonio. And for more details, directions, and service times, just go to the website, reallife.org. And if you'd like to call the church, the number is 490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.